This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. Back on another episode of five on three, Jackson Hiles here. I'm Chris Hennessy. A lot to get to, Jackson, since last week. Some some really big games here in New York and, uh, and otherwise in the conference finals. For sure. And um, as you mentioned, and as we talked about last week, I mean, plenty of game sevens that were all for the most part, pretty exciting. Um, of course, the one game that we thought would probably be the most exciting was Islanders Flyers. And that turned out to be on, not for you, but for, for hockey fans, it turned out to be quite a dud with the Flyers well, being complete no shows. But of, of all of the possibilities of the Islander Flyer game seven, that was the best one for me and my general blood pressure because <laughs> I mean, they come out, they come out firing and it just didn't really feel like there was any way the Islanders could lose this game because the Islanders looked really good and the Flyers just didn't. And Carter Hart, the whole series was bailing out the Flyers in, in game six, especially, but was bailing out the Flyers and forcing overtimes and making big saves. And he just wasn't doing that in game seven. And for the Islanders, it was a huge, huge, huge win that now they haven't backed up in the last two games, but a huge win that, I mean, they just fully dominated that game and won four or nothing. They sure did. And I mean, like you mentioned it, it it was the one game that Carter Hart looked really human in this entire series. And um, we said it plenty of times last week and on -on one-on-one as well when we were hosting, but if the Islanders came out and played like they did in game six, they were going to win the game. I, I didn't think there was any doubt about that. And, they did exactly that. I mean, they came out flying. They got an early goal in the first period and then really never looked back from that. And that was the biggest thing because they gave up the lead in game six and that was killer, but they were able to hold on to this with relative ease in game seven this time. And Thomas Grice with a heck of a performance didn't really have to do much, but he made the big saves when they mattered, and that was really a difference for the Islanders. A 16-save shutout, and the last time the Islanders played Game 7 was 2015 against Washington in the first round, and I don't – that was Halak. That was not Grice. But that was Halak. And the Capitals played the same exact game that the Islanders played this year. They came out, they scored a couple goals, and then they just – absolutely shut down on defense caps won two to one because Halak was outstanding in that game I think the Islanders only got 15 shots and before last night that was the worst Islander loss of my life probably still is probably just that wound is too fresh but um that game was that game sucked I hated every second of it and now that Barry Trotz is the coach on the other bench I loved every second of it only 16 shots allowed four nothing win um just an awesome game overall for the Islanders and um, they out went out and joined the Lightning, the only team who didn't have to play seven games in the conference final. And on the other side, you had two games that were drastically different. You had a high-scoring game between Dallas and Colorado that ended 5-4, to four, and you had a low-scoring game that I'm going to put air quotes around three, that ended three to nothing in favor of Vegas. Let's start with the early game, which was Dallas-Colorado. The entire game, I know this is a very cliche thing to say, and obviously, but the entire game changes when Colorado takes a lead, looks like they might win this thing, and 10 seconds later, Dallas scores a goal. I mean, that just that is absolutely gut-wrenching for the Avalanche uh, to give up a goal 10 seconds after, after giving up, or scoring what would might have been the game-winning goal. Yeah, not only that, but 
they also gave up the lead two other times in the game. And that, that's probably got to be the most frustrating part for the Avs because they led 2-1, they led 3-2, and then you finally, like you said, you get the lead 4-3 with under four minutes left. It looks like you finally you, – you basically finally won, like, won the game. And obviously it's game seven. There's always time. And whenever it's time on the clock, it's never over. But it looks like you're going to win the game and then – Boom. Like you mentioned, 10 seconds later, Dallas comes back and ties it. They end up winning in overtime, and they're on to the conference finals, and Nathan McKinnon's season is over, which sucks, by the way, because oh, McKinnon's been the best player in this postseason, without a doubt. And this Avs team is just so much fun to watch. I mean, there's so much young talent. And honestly, they kind of got pretty unfortunate when it came to injuries. I mean, Grubauer gets hurt in game one, and that kind of – changed the beginning portion of the series and it seemed like they were finally able to adjust. And Michael Hutchinson came up with some big performances, particularly in game six. But, man, it, it really sucks that we don't get to watch Nathan McKinnon um, in the Western Conference Finals go up against the Vegas team because I, I personally was really excited for a potential Colorado-Vegas um, Colorado Western Vegas, Conference though. Final. Colorado-Vegas yeah. has been awesome. And I think that the best part about this Avs team is that they are so young. You know, it feels like McKinnon and Landeskog – Ranton's pretty new, but it feels like McKinnon and Landeskog – have been around for a while, but they're all under 25. Atlanta Scott might be 26, but they're all under 25. And they're going to be around for a long time. And it's pretty clear that Jared Bednar is the guy for this job, where they kind of went through the Patrick Waugh era, which was not the best time to be an Avalanche fan. Then that first year with Bednar was not good. But now they've, they've really cultivated a really solid team here. And I think Grubauer was a great addition. And obviously it, it was unfortunate for them that he couldn't play. Um, in the last six games of that series. But next year, they are absolutely a team to watch if Joe Sackett can kind of keep building that, that bottom six and that middle six. Well, you know, that top line is as good as it's going to get. But, you know, some, there's some questions defensively. There's some depth questions. And last year, adding Burakovsky and Kadri was huge. And if he could do one more of those this offseason, this Avs team, I would say is the team to, might be the team to beat in the Western Conference, definitely the team to beat in the Central Division. For sure. Uh, I mean, they definitely seem to be in the central, I think, going into next year. And um, I, I'll never count out Vegas in regards to the West, but they're going to give Vegas a run for their money for sure. But personally, I, I look at Colorado right now, and I, I think they're one piece away from really being Stanley Cup contenders. And they probably were that this year, honestly. I said before the year that I really thought they were one year away from taking that next step. And honestly, I mean, they really should have won the series, if we're being honest. I mean, if Grubauer is healthy, I think they probably do yeah, end up winning the series against Dallas. But again, injuries happen. Not much you can do about that. But I think they are one piece away, possibly another – if they can get another top six winger in there um, to join the likes of Kadri and Burakovsky, like you mentioned – I think this is a team that might go out and win the Western Conference next year um, because, like you mentioned, I mean, I thought that the addition of uh, – specifically Kadri was terrific because he he looked clearly like the fourth best player on this team, maybe yeah. fifth, honestly, behind that top line in the car. Um, and he was a guy who's a difference maker, especially late in games for Colorado and – he had a big goal in game seven that put him up three, two. Obviously that ended up not being the game winning goal, but um, I, I like this Colorado team going forward. I, I think they're certainly going to be a threat in the West for many years to come. As long as Nathan McKinnon's there, um, they're going to be a problem regardless of who's surrounding him. As, I mean, like, as we've seen 
they really own for the last two years, they've really been a one line team mm-hmm. essentially. And they've been one game away each of the last two years from going to the Western conference finals. So it shows you how talented this team is. They're young and they have a ton of guys who can really make an impact on both ends of the ice. I totally agree. And I think it also highlights just how much of a sin Edmonton is right now, because if we could have <laughs> McDavid and McKinnon in the Western conference playoffs and how good Vegas is, I mean, the Western conference, it'd be worth staying up till three in the morning to watch these games, but Edmonton stinks. So we don't get that. Um, the late game was uh, that aforementioned Vegas against Vancouver. Thatcher Demko, man, when we had our predictions pod last week, I just said, I'm going to pick Vegas because I don't think Thatcher Demko can do this for 180 consecutive minutes. And I was almost wrong. I was almost oh, wrong. He went all the way until like the like five or six minutes left in the third period. Shea Theodore with a sick shot. I mean, right where you want to put it. Uh, and finally beats Demko, and then Vegas pots two empty netters to win. Again, air quotes, three to nothing. Um, Vegas was clearly the more talented team, but this just proves that a, a goalie can can win you hockey games when, when the rest of your team is faulting. And Thatcher Demko did that in game five and game six and just was not enough. The Vegas' defense, I think, it was the under – underappreciated storyline of the last three games of this series because they held Vancouver to nothing. Vancouver is not, uh, you know, just a, a nothing team. They have some talent up front, but they held Vancouver to nothing and gave themselves a shot when the goalie was outstanding. They certainly did. And Demko really put on a three-game performance that I don't know if it's ever been seen before, honestly, in the postseason. I, I can't tell you the last time I've seen something that great. Maybe since, honestly, maybe since Lundqvist, um, just in his three-game stretch against Pittsburgh in 2014. That was probably the best goaltending I've ever seen. But, I mean, he, there, there's nothing else you could say. I mean, he was literally the only reason they were in the series in the first place. And if Vancouver had any chance to win, it, Demko was going to have to stand on his head again, which he did, to be honest. I mean, like, Chris, we can say he couldn't survive 180 minutes. I mean, he basically did. I mean, he let up one goal still, on I mean, however many shots, I and mean, he yeah. gave Vancouver a chance to win. But there was a point in the second period. It was like midway through the second period, and it was 16-3 to three in shots. Uh, I mean, you're never going to win a hockey game when you have three shots through 30 minutes of play. It's just not going to work. And – Honestly, we can talk all we want about Demko, too. The reason Vegas wins this game, in my opinion, is the save Robin Leonard made on Brock Besser in the oh, second yeah. period, which is the save of the playoffs right now. I mean, cross-ice feed, Besser's all alone in front, and somehow Leonard keeps it out with the glove. Um, that was probably the save of the playoffs for me. That was the biggest moment of this series and this entire game. And honestly, the re- Vancouver needed their stars to step up and make plays because – from a depth perspective, they didn't. They don't really have much. I mean, you can point to the Jay Beagles and the Antoine Roussels and those hideous contracts, and you can point to their bottom six. It, it's nothing special. They needed their their top line to go out and score. And also, this is a Vancouver team that had a five-minute power play at the end of the second period and couldn't score. And if you're not going to score in a five-minute power play in game seven, you're simply not going to win. You, you have to take advantage of chances like that. And they were unable to do so. And Vegas got bailed out by their goaltender in that situation. And overall, I mean, this is a Vegas 
team that probably should have won the series in five, and somehow it ended up going seven, and they were able to survive. But it, it was it was really a heck of a series to watch because you, you were just it was only a matter of time before Vegas finally broke through. And like you mentioned, it took about 174 minutes for that to happen against Thatcher Demko. And honestly, good for them for breaking through because I, I think they're going to go to the Stanley Cup final. But um, it, it should be interesting to watch the rest of the way. 100%. It's also very odd that, you know, Robin Leonard was the difference between a five-minute major penalty kill, killing Vegas in the second round two years in a row. Yeah. Um, let's – I've been, you know, putting this off a little bit. Let's move to last night. Um, it sucked. I will be completely honest with you. It completely sucked. Um, game one of Islanders Lightning was uh, on Monday night, and – uh, my one of my good friends who I used to play with and, and is a good friend of mine is a Lightning fan. He lives down in Tampa now. And I was texting him. I said, tonight's going to be a blowout, man. I mean, you guys are rested. You're out there. You're practicing for the Islanders. When the Islanders, you know, one game seven, got on a plane and flew to Edmonton and dropped the puck for game one, there just really wasn't a, a chance that the Islanders are going to win this game. So they lose eight to two. Eight is a lot of goals. Ta- Tampa's a talented team. Put it away. It's only one game. I wasn't too concerned. Yes, eight is a lot of goals, but I wasn't too concerned. Then last night is the most concerned I've been about the Islanders since Barry Trotz was hired, and here's why. First off, you have the horrific personnel decision to put Andrew Ladd into a game. It's a Garth Snow fever dream that he's getting power play minutes in game two of the Eastern Conference Finals. What, what is happening? Then you have the horrific personnel decision to have that line along with Andy Green on the ice with seven seconds to go against the Kucherov line. What, like, what are we doing? Like, we got to have the, the Nelson line out there to win a faceoff. We got to have the Pulak and Pelic defensive pair out there. We can't just be – this is a, an Elaine Vigneault-level terrible personnel decision where I remember when the um, Rangers were – or the years before they were in the Cups, my uncle used to yell that AV was playing the, you know, the third D pair in, in these big games – it that just didn't make me started there don't get me started there well i know anyways continue mike messina our our producer just shook his head right into the camera um and then you have what i think was at the end of the day the reason they lost the game and it was the lack of power play goals they had over 10 minutes of power play time including a five minute power play in the first period they're up one to nothing and they have a five minute power play they have a chance to put this game to bed before the end of the first period and they can't do it so last night was concerning um, and it's pretty clear who the more talented team in the series is, and the Islanders let one get away uh, when they could have tied this thing along. And I think a ton of credit needs to go to Andre Vasilevsky here too because, let's be honest, I mean, he made big save after big save. Absolutely. Did. Um, when Best goal in the world right now, but that's not an excuse. We have five minutes with an extra yeah. guy. No, no, no. Completely agree there. Um, I, you, you had a chance to put the game away in the first period. Um, like you mentioned, you're up one nothing. You get a goal from Matt Martin um, on a flutter puck in front of the net. And then Kaloran takes that boarding penalty, which was ridiculous, by the way. I mean, there, there was no reason for him to go after Nelson in the first place. And not only does he go after him after the puck's moved, but he hits him up high and from behind. Um, and credit to the officials for getting the right call on a major penalty and a game misconduct. But – like you mentioned, you have over 10 minutes of power play time. You have a five on three worked in there as well. Yep. And you're, you're already leading the game one, nothing on that five minute power play. That's a chance to put the game away. And when you have a really good team, really good teams put the game away in the first period, just like Tampa did in game one. Yeah. Absolutely. And 
and the Islanders couldn't do it yesterday. Hedman scores that point shot that somehow find a, finds a way through and by Varlamov, and all of a sudden now you can rely back on Andre Vasilevsky, who was just outstanding. Clearly yes, the best goal in the world right now. I don't think you could even dispute that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, I mean, listen, you can say what you want about Varlamov. I mean, there wasn't much he could do on either goal, I thought personally. I mean, the game-winning goal is he made two big saves absolutely. in a matter of 10 seconds before um, Kucherov was wide open on the far side on that terrific pass by Ryan McDonough, by the way. But it, this all this really – you can talk about that all you want, but this really comes down to the fact that the Islanders had a chance to really put this game away in the first period with a lead, with a five-minute power play. You get one or two there, and this game's over. This if, game's if a wrap with thing, the way they played. If they scored two goals on a five – now, this is an amazing – I play hockey my whole life. I've watched the Islanders my entire life. It's amazing to me that more goals aren't scored on the power play. It's been something that I just com- can't really compute in my head because you literally have an extra guy on the ice for five consecutive minutes. And I don't care that it's the best goalie in the world. Put a puck in the net. This was – I'm going to use a word I never thought I'd use for Barry Trotz. This was Capuano-esque. This was <laughs> let's just pass the puck around in circles all day long, drive our, drive our fans bananas, have me like on the floor of the living room, like for the love of God, Jordan Everly, shoot the freaking puck. And nothing happens. And you just pass it around in the circle, all ring around the rosy, and then you finally shoot the puck. Vasilevsky swallows it, and it's a face-off. And you can't win a face-off because your best face-off guy is in the locker room with a concussion. Clearly with a concussion. How he passed concussion protocol, Brock Nelson, I have no yeah. freaking idea. Because he, there was, he was not good after he came back. And after he came back, he got clocked in the head by Barkley Goodrow. And then after that, he was not the same. So I – if you're asking me to make an assumption, tomorrow night we're not going to see Brock Nelson. That's my assumption, but I don't, I'm not a doctor. I don't really know, but he didn't look like himself. But a lot of, I've seen a lot of blaming the refs on Twitter the last 12 hours, 16 hours. And, yes, the icing that led to the goal, the first goal, was not icing. It clearly touched Shaq and Kirk stick. It wasn't icing. But when you have all these power play time, when you have all of the zone time, you need to score a goal. One goal is not going to win you a playoff hockey game. It's just not going to happen. And the Islanders needed to score more goals, and they simply did not. And that falls on a lot of people on the offensive side. Not having Brock Nelson hurts them tremendously. But Pajot and Beauvillier haven't really done much in the first two games of this series. Bailey had a great chance last night. Barzal was much better last night, but Everly and Lee were not good. So it was just – there was a lot of – not a lot of great play offensively. Um, that, and that, that's what killed him. I mean, the Shattenkirk play leading into the Hedman goal could happen a thousand times, but if you score two goals on a five-on-four on five, on five on for five minutes, you're going to win the game. That's the point that I think needs to be hammered home even more because, you, like you said, you can blame the officials all you want, but you have a chance to put the game away really early Before in this that first goal period. Happened. Before that even happens. And, and by not scoring there, you put yourself in a position to lose this game. And you, you put yourself in a position to give up the lead on a call like that. Um, I, I've, you see it happen all the time, not just with the Islanders in general. You see this happen around the entire league where you have a chance to put the game away early. You miss an opportunity and the other team goes down and scores a goal. And just like that, you have a brand new hockey game, which is pretty much exactly what happened to the Islanders last night. And, 
when you give a team like Tampa chances to get back in the game, they're going to take advantage. They're too good of a team to do that. I mean, we could talk about the Flyers being good and whatnot. Tampa Bay is a different animal. You, yeah. you give them chances, they will take advantage. And they did that last night. And what also really stings, I think, for the Islanders last night, I mean, this is a Tampa team that was pretty much playing with nine forwards the entire game because Kalorn, they started with 11 because they played seven defensemen last night. Kalorn gets hurt, that's 10. Then Braden Point, who's been probably the best player in the series um, or even in the entire postseason for Tampa so far, he gets hurt and is out for the rest of the game. So you're playing against a Tampa team with just nine forwards. They're shorthanded to begin with. And not only that, but you have an Islanders team that's playing really well in this game. That's a backbreaker, not only to lose this game, but to lose in the fashion they did where they, they give up a goal with under 10 seconds left in regulation. I mean, I, I don't know what you say in the locker room after that to try to get this team's spirits up, but that that's a backbreaker. That, that, that is a real backbreaker in a series to go down 2-0 the way they did. And now basically your back's against the entire wall against the best team in the NHL right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's not looking good for the Islanders, but um, Friday night, game three, as much of a must win as you're ever going to get um, if they want to go to the cup final. Um, on the other side, the winner of Islanders Lightning will play the winner of Vegas Dallas, as we mentioned before. One-to-one after two games. This is – this feels like it's going to be a long series and we'll start with Vegas and there's been a lot of debate on who they're going to put in the net, but I don't see a reason to take Robin Leonard out until he lets up a goal. I don't know about you. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you have a shutout in game two, I, I think you're going right back to the hot hand and Flurry was fine in game one too. I mean, he gives up the early goal to Klingberg, which really wasn't his fault. It was off a deflected shot that got, falls right to stick at Klingberg and he just wires it home early. But I mean, honestly, Vegas kind of had the same effect that the Islanders had, except it really doesn't add up because Dallas also played a game seven. Right. Um, so Vegas came out really flat in game one. I mean, they were getting outshot like 23, 25 to 12 at one point. Um, and they had a strong third period, couldn't score an Anton Kudobin. And then they looked like Vegas again in game two. So I, I do think this is going to be a long series. I still like Vegas to win the series. I think they're too talented not to. Um, and, and personally, I think as long as they're getting the goaltending, which they have in the series so far, I think they're going to be fine. Um, it was really just a matter of if they're going to score goals. And, and it seemed like they finally got out of that four-game funk because they got shut out twice. They only scored really two goals on Thatcher Demko from games five through seven and then get shut out in game one, but they finally get three in game two. Um, they look like they're finally back. So I, I do think that Vegas is going to win this series. And I do think they're going to end in the Stanley cup final. But like you said, I, I do think this is going to be a relatively long series. I definitely think Dallas gets one, at least two more wins to force a game six or potentially a game seven. But uh, th- this is going to be a fun series. Um, and, and I, but I do still like Vegas. I think they're the better team. Yeah, I like Vegas too. And I think something that happened that was interesting, right off right off the bat, game one, they shuffled up those lines. Where now Jamie Ben's playing back with Blake Como on his wing. And then um, I can't remember who they moved up to play with, um, Sagan or Radulov. But it doesn't really matter. But they spread out those three guys, which we've seen Colorado try and do with their three guys. But it seems to be working well. It was Jamie Ben who was in the ice for that first goal in game one. And it seems to be working pretty well where they're getting a little bit more consistent scoring across the board, which is what you need when you're playing against Vegas, who can score through all four lines and through all three D pairs, as we saw with the Shea Theodore goal. They could score through all 
any of their players at any point are, are scoring goals right now. And with the goaltending they're getting, it, it seems to be hard. They seem to be hard to beat, but, but Dallas, um, Dallas has the offensive talent to, to score a couple goals and win a couple games in this series, but I'm going to pick Vegas as well. I, I did this for the Fordham Ram. I picked Isles in seven, Vegas in seven. So um, that's what I've got. Of course, I picked the Islanders. I mean, I have to yeah. at some point. I, I mean, you're sticking with Isles in seven after what's happened, the games one and two. You can't win in seven unless you lose two. So That is true. Can't win seven unless you lose three. So uh, another one's coming at some point. I mean, yeah, I had Tampa in six, and then I had Vegas in six. So I'm going to stick with those predictions. Um, I still think the Islanders do make this a series, honestly. I mean, I, I thought they played too well in game two to lose that game. And as heartbreaking of a loss that that is, I think, I think you have to expect that the Islanders are going to come out desperate in yep. game three for sure. My question is how does Tampa come out? Because I think John Cooper's got to be saying to his room, listen, we don't win this game without number 88 in net. Yeah. Um, and, and we can't come out like that again because if we do, we will lose and we will allow the Islanders to get back in the series. And honestly, which... sorry, I know it was 8-2 to two, game one, but he played a hell of a game in game one too. Mm-hmm. That could have easily been 3-2 or 3-3 going out of the first period because Nelson has those two shorthanded breakaways. They have a couple more chances. Yeah, they didn't play well and they weren't going to win, you know, if it was me in goal for Tampa. But they had a couple of nice chances in the first period that Vasilevsky shut down. For sure. He absolutely did, and that, that's the luxury of having probably the best goalie in the world right now, which you mentioned before. So um, this Tampa team is really good, man. I mean, th- th- there's really not much else to say about them because they're loaded top to bottom up front. I mean, defensively, that they have just so many guys who are studs back there. I mean, we talk about Victor Hedman all the time, but, I mean, Kevin Shattenkirk's had a terrific year. I mean, he's got five points in his last two games. Ryan McDonough who kind of had his struggles early on in the postseason, um, has come up with some big plays in games one and two. And, I mean, the, the assist to Kucherov is the difference maker in the series right now. I mean, it was a terrific pass. Um, so so they're, just, they're just loaded from top to bottom. And on top of this, you're getting elite-level goaltending at the moment as well. And I don't think anyone sees that changing anytime soon with a guy like Andre Vasilevsky in that. So um, the Islanders got a lot of work to do in front of them. And, Listen, I think they're good enough to win a few games in the series. I think they will do that. Um, but they have to have game three. It's an absolute must. And that goes without saying when you're down 2-0 in a series. But especially against a team as talented as Tampa, this is a Tampa team that's not blowing a 3-0 series lead. We've seen teams do that in the past. I mean, we know San Jose did it a few years ago against the Kings. But this is not a team that's going to blow a 3-0 series lead. So if the Islanders want to get back in the series, I think they have to have game three. And they have to have game four also too so these next two games are a must for the islanders if they want to get back in the series i think they'll definitely get one of them i'm not sure they'll get both of them but that's why we play the games so it's going to be a fun series the rest of the way going to be a fun postseason as well it would be very nice if we were all there for fuv at the coliseum that would be a that'd be (laughs) a would but sure would um and the bubble at edmonton we got islanders and lightning we got the knights and the stars um, and we'll be back next week to talk about uh, what happens in the next six or seven days. Um, and we might have a Stanley Cup final matchup to talk about uh, the next time we come around. So for Jackson Heil, I'm Chris Hennessy. We'll see you next week.